You're listening to the Discovery COVID-19 podcast. I'm Azania Mosaka, and I'll be speaking to expert guests to help you better understand coronavirus disease 2019, as well as how best to manage your health, well-being and financial security during this time. The COVID-19 outbreak continues to ravage the world. The well-being of those that are in the front line of the fight against this disease remain a major concern both here at home and abroad. Concerns have been raised about doctors, nurses and other healthcare professionals who are risking their lives while treating those infected with the coronavirus. The threat is not just physical but it also takes a heavy mental toll. Today, we're looking at doctors and their mental well-being during COVID-19. And joining me for this conversation is Dr. Sandeep Ruda. He's a clinical endocrinologist, but he also has a deep passion in the area of well-being and public health. He's also an academic author of articles on philosophy in medicine stemming from his studies in life philosophy at the Vedanta Academy in India. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Ruder. It is an unprecedented time that we're living in with the front line being our healthcare workers. How are you feeling at this time? Thanks for having me, Azania, on this uh, podcast. So, um, you know, the situation we find ourselves in can be called uh, an emergency state or a crisis. And the, the nature of crisis is that there is some danger or an acute threat to life in general. And when you're in that crisis state, it's a temporary change of our usual environment. And obviously with that temporary change, the mind can go into either a bad form of apathy or a panic mode. And I think that's where most people find themselves, whether healthcare persons or lay people. Mm-hmm. And where we stand right now, I think as healthcare practitioners, our work our obligation is always service to our patients the patients are the ones who suffer so being at the front line means we're going to be seeing a lot of these patients i think across the board having spoken to colleagues and friends there is some reasonable anxiety but medicine teaches you a lot of objectivity to deal with the situation at hand as it is so you define the problems reasonably you look at data you take other people's experience and you try and deal with it as best as you can under the current situation. And I think that's where we find ourselves at the moment. Having said that, it doesn't take away that it's going to be stressful for everybody, including healthcare workers. I spoke to a doctor recently who said that knowing that he's about to treat a patient who's, con- who's a confirmed case or a patient who presents with such symptoms, his first case, in fact, um, when that happened, when he got the call, he was filled with fear at that time, but obviously, um, as you say, this is a commitment. This is a call of duty that uh, you mm-hmm. have taken on, um, and this is something that you have to overcome and deliver this particular service. So, as you said, it's about the rational mind overcoming perhaps the fears that may may underlie the situation. Yeah, Azania, you see, it boils down to what we can control. And what Mm. we can control is how we think and how we choose. And that's something we've all learned in medicine always. It's not that we haven't faced epidemics before. I mean, even the HIV epidemic, when it first came to the fore, I remember in our busy hospitals, such as Krishani Baragwanath, where the wards were overflowing, there was always this risk of needle stick injuries and, you know, using blood products. 
and many doctors had succumbed to such risks, but we took precautions and we've minimized that risk to date. So similarly here, it's happening at a great momentum, I suppose. We are taking measures to flatten the curve, so to speak, but with the correct protective equipment and correct measures, and uh, really just about thinking about it, we'll, we'll get through it, I think. Yeah. Mm. So if we look at the kind of interventions that doctors need to focus on and introduce and maintain during this period, how would you suggest they maintain things like, uh, their mental well-being at this time? Because there's no routine and the time frame is quite stressful. Um, and I know an expert on grief has said that what we're living through, some of the feelings that we're experiencing can be equated to uh, grief, can be described as grief. So what would you suggest doctors do in maintaining their well-being at this time? So, Azania, it's an uh, important thing, first of all, to look at mental well-being. Mm. But the resilience that is required of a doctor for most of us would have been cultivated through experience already. When there's a measure of a bigger or more acute threat that's a little bit out of paradigm, some anxiety is going to come in. So when you think about it, you've got to define what we mean by mental well-being. See, the mind is the area of the human being or the part of the human being that experiences thoughts and desires. Now, we may have a desire for this, this pandemic not to occur. We may have a desire not to be overworked. We may have a desire for our ICUs not to be uh, overfilled. Um, now, these desires are incongruent with what is happening in the world right now. So all we can do is examine those desires and see whether it is reasonable or not. The next thing we need to do is do a form of triage. With what we have, what can we do and what do we need to do more of? So when we become more objective, you find your mind is stiller. You've got to look after yourself objectively within that environment. And within medicine also, it's not that we must all go and rush forward and help every patient that uh, comes forward with severe COVID. You've got to identify the experts who are geared towards doing this very well. Those are your ICU specialists who really know this field very well. If things become overwhelmed, more physicians, those of us that are a little bit on the periphery of ICU care, will have to get involved and retrain ourselves. You know? So support will always be there. We've got to cooperate, we've got to um, concentrate, and we've got to um, um, sort of be consistent in our approach, and that will help our mental well-being. Having mm. said that, outside of our work environments, it's important to take care of yourself to take care of others. And that's not yeah. a selfish thing. There yeah. is a space where we can say no. Because when you stretch yourself to a limit, physically and mentally, you become dangerous to an environment. So in those cases, you need to pull yourself apart. You need to go home. You've got to address your nutrition. You've got to address your activity levels. You've got to get the right sleep. And when you come back, you're more effective, more alert, and less risky to the environment. So these mm -hmm. kinds of simple measures through a routine, we can only control what we can control. The rest is left to nature and providence. If you know that fact, if you understand it, we can get by this quite well, I think. Right. Well, um, obviously the work of healthcare professionals is quite rigorous. You work long hours, very demanding on, on the body. Just give me a sense of just really the toll that this can take, you know, being on call 
during a time such as this? What kind of physical toll does it does it take on 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 the body? And also um, the place of exercise and how one how a medical practitioner can can make time to to reboot, to revive, and to just complete that that um, energizing loop. Yeah, so Azania, when we on call, and this has been a topic of discussion even pre-COVID times, that doctors generally tend to work unreasonable hours and the expectations are unreasonable uh, because of limited resources, limited human resources, not enough doctors. And we've discussed this at length previously as well. But the point is when you're on call, I remember we used to do 24 to 36 hour shifts with very wow. little sleep. You're being pounded with patients in the ward that just keep streaming in on trolleys. You've got to keep attending to them because their situation is more serious than the hunger pain that you're feeling. So it can take a huge physical toll, number one. It can be mentally fatiguing, right? And psychologically depressing to be constantly attending to everybody without attending to yourself. You can imagine having worked and woken up at six in the morning, going to work at eight, and then just attending to trauma, um, uh, physiological problems like heart attacks, asthma, we used to see lots of infectious diseases, and now you're dealing with an infectious diseases pandemic, uh, which can be quite serious. So once you start getting pounded by it, your attention has to be on that system. But in that time, your body is still going through what it needs to go through for its functioning. You're going to get hungry. You need to go to the loo to uh, you know, evacuate yourself. You'll need to sit because your legs are tired. And sometimes when you're being pounded, especially in the, in the medical field, uh, our guys are in that frame of mind that it's other first. You know, these guys are real heroes, if you ask me. I've worked with a lot of doctors over the years. They will keep going no matter what. But it's our duty to call that out and tell them, listen, take some time out for yourself. And I think once we start getting pounded, hopefully we don't get to that level. Um, it's important for healthcare workers to call out healthcare workers. This is where cooperation comes in. True Ubuntu. I am because you are. Listen, take a half an hour break. I'll take over here. And that's what we need to do. The other point to highlight, Azania, is that the fact that when we're in this kind of crisis situation, it's going to highlight a lot of cracks in our system in the way we do healthcare. And I think it's important that while we deal with the acute crisis, that in the long term we reflect on how medicine and essential services are designed to accommodate those that stand in the front line. It cannot be business as usual going into the future. I think shift working for doctors is essential so they maintain their well-being. I think support for them in terms of diet, places of rest, and exercise, as you mentioned, you know, exercise is very important since you specifically asked about that one. Not only does it reduce cardiometabolic risk, which means reduces things that contribute to heart disease and diabetes like weight and cholesterol and blood pressure, etc., but it improves well-being as well by improving the so-called happy hormones in the brain. Yeah. Um, so you feel well after uh, constructed activity or exercise. So these things need to be weaved in. And how we should look at it is you're not looking after your health for health's sake. It becomes an unselfish act to look after yourself because once you're in a good state, you're more effective in helping others. So now you've set a higher ideal than just your own personal health for your own sake. I'm a vehicle, I'm a tool that can be used to assist others. And to do that, I need to be in a healthy way. So 
the act of taking time out for yourself to eat well, sleep well, and exercise is no longer a selfish act. It's actually linked to your higher purpose and ideal. And I think that's a nice way of thinking about it. Yes. I'm trying to wrap my mind around really the what it takes, you know, the individuals that, um, as one person said, we need to sprinkle rose petals for uh, our healthcare practitioners who are in the front line. What it takes for you to set aside, you know, the risks that uh, could be visited upon your life uh, so that you can help others. The stories of doctors coming back home, needing to change outside in the garage before they come into the home or uh, maintaining social distance from the little ones who are overjoyed at seeing them arrive after a long day at work um, and living with the fear that what if they, uh, coming from a hospital, could be bringing that very infection to their most dear and loved ones at home. Um, that it's, it's, it's a truly noble thing. And we've come to a point where the world is truly getting an insight into being at the front line and literally being the front line and, and uh, the barrier, the final, uh, uh, the, the final mark between um, keeping the disease yeah. at bay and uh, yeah. uh, life con- and, and, and death. Yeah, so the Queen of England in a recent speech mentioned uh, something to the effect, I can't quote her exactly, that we should uh, think about going into a wartime kind of mentality. And I thought about that deeply. It's an interesting thing that, you see, Azania, sacrifice and service comes naturally to human beings. It's wired into our systems. But service and sacrifice moves beyond yourself and expands towards a higher ideal. From yourself, it goes to your family, from your family to your community, from your community to your nation. And when you set a really high ideal, it moves over into the entire world and an identification with all all species even. You You get the highly evolved persons like the Nelson Mandela's and the Gandhi's and Martin Luther King's who sacrificed for nations, you see? So when we think about our nature as human beings, sacrifice and service is wired in there. So doctors at this level are doing it for communities and nations at the moment, you know, just as people who went into war fought for an ideal for their nation. And that meant leaving your family behind when you went to war. So here, there is a kind of sacrifice, but it's towards an ideal. And somehow that philosophy is wired that when we do sacrifice with the right intention for a higher ideal, only good things can come from that. That is a law of nature. I didn't write it, but if we observe it historically, it's a good thing. But like I said, it's still very stressful, not just on the healthcare worker, then on his family as well. But like I said, we are in a temporary situation of crisis. And in a crisis, you have to do those things if that calling is there. There is no other way to have our bread buttered on both sides. Mm. So these measures have to be taken. And then the learning comes for the future and how to plan so that we can avoid these kinds of situations in the long term. Yes. Well, you have studied the life philosophy uh, and the principles Mm -hmm. of uh, Vedanta at the academy in in India. Uh, So it's clear to me that having a practice of sorts um, around mm-hmm. mindfulness, around going within is something that's really part and parcel of how you approach your life and the work that you do. 
So what can you suggest in terms of debriefing and mindfulness practices um, that doctors can, can lean on during this time of, of just madness? Yeah. So, see, Azania, the thing about having practices is they give you a temporary respite from the, the uh, agitations of the crisis that we're experiencing. Okay, so mm. practices are helpful for some temporary respite. So the practice of healthy eating, exercise, maybe a yoga um, sort of routine uh, or some uh, uh, what they call a meditative practice. But mm. these are just practices that are not going to give you a long term solution. They give you temporary respite from an agitating environment and will make you feel well. When you talk about life philosophy, it is about cultivating an art of thinking around life, which needs some time to prepare for. You see, let me put it in a simple layman's terms. When a person is playing a piano or some musical instrument, they say they're playing it rather than working at it or uh, stressed about it. When you play a musical instrument, you enjoy every moment of it without an end in mind. And the reason is you know the art or the skill of playing that musical instrument. Now, the problem is we've not learned the art or the skill of living and thinking. We've been going through life and that's why when we're faced with a crisis, we don't know what to do. So living is an art and we've got to learn the art of thinking. This is what I study, obviously, in India. Now, that work needs to be done over a period of time and that gives you the fortification to deal with um, crisis. Now, mm -hmm. in the crisis situation, if we're not prepared, then you can't start learning that immediately. It's going to take time. What we do today will help us in the future. What we are experiencing today is the result of past actions. So this is why practices are important. And I think the practices that are important are to have some form of routine as much as you can within a chaotic environment. I think attending to your diet is very important, reducing sugars, Try to avoid all the processed foods, which are just industrial products that masquerade as food. Reduce smoking and alcohol. I know there's a lot of emphasis on this at the moment in terms of uh, it being sold. But the point is alcohol and smoking are just going to be harmful for you to, in the long term. They don't solve the agitations of the mind. They just temporarily, temporarily dampen them. Uh, look at your sleep. Look at... Um, activity as well so you can run in your yard you can do sit-ups you can do push-ups you know there's a lot you can do around and then yoga practices are stretching exercises that have been designed over hundreds of years for a given purpose we're not going to be able to learn them immediately but there are lots of apps currently online mm. where you can do some simple practices now this mm -hmm. should also be done with caution because if you've never done yoga before or physical yoga you don't want to go and hurt yourself in the current situation and make yourself incapable or unavailable. So gentle mm -hmm. stretching exercises. There are nice uh, apps showing breathing exercises. Pranayama means life force control. Breathing exercises and physical yoga help to temporarily calm the mind. And when the mind is temporarily calmed, it provides a conducive environment for you to do the thinking work. And I think that's a very important thing is that in all of this, it's not just physical things and practices that we need to help us get through. We need thinking practices as well. And to access those, there are lots of apps as well. 
I mean, there are a few that I can recommend. Colleagues of ours from India are doing a lot of practical online Zoom classes and workshops for free. Uh, you know, people can get in touch with those. And just through links, you can sit and have discussions and questions and Q&As. This is a time for thinking as well. And I think what we learned through this crisis will do as well in the future in terms of fortifying our minds for any future crises. Remember, there's no 100% perfect life. There's this ebb and flow, challenges are going to come. And to the degree our minds are fortified, we're able to ride those waves quite well. So it's about learning to be good surfers in everything. Right. Um, there is a message at the moment that we've seen many doctors try and emphasize to the public um, to reinforce it, in fact, that stay home. We are making the sacrifice to be out there to fight this pandemic. So what the public can do, of course, is by staying home and adhering to the various measures um, in the various countries. Um, what is What are your thoughts around this message and your uh, message to those that don't work in the medical professions, the rest of us, the ordinary citizens who will be turning to you for uh, life-saving medicine? I think if we use that message to drive home the key messages that greater bodies and government and World Health Organization and National Institute for uh, Communicable Diseases has put out, is that from experience around the world, some measures have been shown to help flatten that curve. So if doctors can use their personal work to emphasize that message, then that's great because it serves a greater good. This can be very stressful for people at home because their jobs, their income, their, all of that uh, matters to them. But sometimes we've got to sacrifice, like I said, for a greater good. There is no choice in the matter almost, you know. Mm. So mm. using that kind of messaging to help for that ideal is fine. But at the end of the day, doctor means docere, it comes from Latin, to teach or to guide people. we got to still go and do that work. So if it's used to assist the public messaging to flatten the curve, and that's mm -hmm. fine. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your insights. Thank you for being so generous in sharing with us for this conversation. No problem. Thank you for your time too. This podcast was brought to you by Discovery. Stay informed, stay healthy.